and that you just give us ears to listen and hearts to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Brilliant. Good morning, everybody. It's another hot one. I'm wearing shorts this week. It was too hot last week. Um, um, it's great to be with you. If you've got a Bible with you, can you open it to John 15? Um, if you've got a mobile phone with you, hopefully you've got an app on there that will help you find it as well. We're at John 15, as we were last week, um, and this week we're looking at verses 12 to 17. I'm going to give you a moment to find it, and then I'm going to read it um, to us. So John chapter 15 verses 12 to 17. If you've got the same version as me, it should go a little bit like this. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in the name of the Father, I, in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Now, last week, if you were here last week, um, we began this three-part series, and there was, um, we looked at this, the first part of John 15, where Jesus says, basically, he says, remain in me, or we particularly looked at the message translation of that verse, which says, can anybody remember the phrase I asked you to repeat last week? Make your home in me, or make your home in Jesus. So if last week we were looking at make your home in Jesus, this week what we're looking at is when you do make your home in Jesus, you become part of the greatest family in the world. Can you turn to the person next? This is the horrible moment for the introverts. Just, this is, but can you turn to people around you and just say you're part of the greatest family in the world? Okay. Okay, that's, that's enough. That's enough. Let's... let's Let's look after the introverts as well. They're feeling painful at the moment, so let's calm down. But you are part of the greatest family in the world. Do you know, all over the world already this morning, millions and millions of our brothers and sisters in Christ have met to worship God just as we have, to ask the Spirit to fill them just as we have, to praise the name of Jesus who saved them just as we have. We're part of the greatest family in the world. Jesus started something, you see, when he said this to his disciples um, 2,000 odd years ago. Right after him basically saying that the most important commandment that he says in Matthew 22 is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Now he says, and next, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In this passage it says, he says, remain in me, live in me, in my love. And then he says, love each other as I have loved you. It's the second part of our vision statement. And when he said that, he started something. He started a movement, a community that now spreads across the globe. A community of people, a family drawn together by him, who try and live and orientate their lives around his example of self-giving, sacrificial love. Love each other as I have loved you. 
The early Christians were known as the Way. That's what it was called, the Way. St. Paul refers to you as the body of Christ. Peter calls you a spiritual house. The Old Testament prophets refer to it as a vineyard, vineyard church movement. Think of the fruit of the Spirit we were looking at last week, a vineyard. Uh, John refers to it in Revelation as a holy city, as the bride of Christ, prepared beautifully for her husband, made holy because of Jesus. Round here, we call it the lantern. It's the greatest family in the world. You know, I've already seen examples of it being the greatest family in the world and people putting this into action already this morning. So I arrived this morning, and the first person I saw was Duncan laying out the cones, serving this community so that people could arrive safely. And then I met Mark, who was putting out the flags with his son with a very cool T-shirt saying something about being a dude. And, um, and then I came in and I met Liz East, who's um, helping look after my little one. Um, Leo, this morning. And she'd given Verity a lift in on her way in to church this morning, loving each other, serving each other, the greatest family in the world. Then I thought, you know, it's about time I had my caffeine shot. And I walked over, and who was there getting the coffee ready? Andy. Andy, last week, was in the band, and he prayed for me in the prayer ministry. And this week, he's serving me coffee. He's probably my favorite person right now. Um, (laughs) It's the greatest family in the world when we live this out and serve and love each other. As I saw people being welcomed in this morning, I even, even met an old gap year friend who's just rocked up this morning to church. And, um, and I thought, this is actually, I, I just smiled. I just thought, it's amazing to see them. And then I, they went off to get a drink, and I think their kids are in the groups now. Have they settled in the groups? Brilliant. Hopefully receiving the welcome of a loving church community. This is the greatest family in the world. And it all began because Jesus said to a few followers, love each other as I've loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. I could point to so many examples even in the last week. I just did this morning. But in the last week, last few weeks, of the ways in which this community is already doing this really quite well. Whether it be painting our home to make it ready for us, whether the warden mowing the lawn for us. Um, Someone else on the staff here going to court with someone just to support them and help them and love them in a difficult time. A couple helping another younger couple who are struggling a bit at the moment in life. Not just in the happy things when the sun's shining, but also in the valley moments and the tough things. Loving each other. It's the greatest family in the world. My favorite example in some ways of it was, um, well, as a couple, the youngest and the oldest. Not the oldest, but you'll hear what I know what I mean in a minute. I picked up my girls from the kids' club on Thursday, and I met Elizabeth again, serving away. Elizabeth Colwell here? Is she here? She comes to the next service. Um, it's good she's not here. But um, I can speak freely. There she was, helping look after my two little girls and a whole bunch of other crazy kids, when she could just be at home having a cup of tea and cake, frankly. And I clocked, it wasn't the first time I'd seen her that week, and I thought, How many hours does this woman, in the autumn of her life, let's say, give to this church and to loving this community, week in, week out, just showing up, serving, loving? And then this morning, this morning, another example. I don't know know her name yet, but um, I think it's Jasmine's daughter. I saw just as the service had started, 
coming with a tray and picking up empty coffee cups. I hope you noticed these things. Last week, what I noticed, and it warmed my heart, it was our first week. It was Ava's first week, my eldest daughter, in her groups. And what happened when the kids went out to go to the groups? Millie came along and took her hand and led her out. It's the greatest family in the world. When it does what Jesus says, love each other as I've loved, it's the greatest family in the world. And what we're going to do um, from God's word in a minute is just remind ourselves of a, a couple of stories, just a few chapters earlier from when Jesus says this, where he demonstrates what he means and the extent of what he means. When he says, love each other as I have loved you, let's look at a couple of stories to see how he has loved us and how he loves us. So if you've got a, your Bibles there, turn back um, a couple of chapters and you'll find uh, the first one we get to that I'm going to refer to is, is John 13. John 13 does this famous story. Jesus does this extraordinary thing where he washes his disciples' feet. You know the story? And um, in that day and age, again, you would have heard this before, um, their, their feet would have literally been covered in, I won't say the word in church, but they would have been horrible. This was the job for the lowest servant, the least and the last in that household. And they come in, and Jesus, what he does before they set down for their meal is he, he gets down and he gets this towel and he starts washing his disciples' feet. This is God incarnate coming into the mess of our world and of his friends and washing their feet and cleaning them up. And Peter at first, he's like, you can't do this to me. You're the master. You're, you can't do this. Jesus says, if you don't let me wash you, if you don't let me do this, you have no part of me. Friends, if you're here today and you haven't yet become a friend of Jesus. This is what he offers to you, but you need to let him wash your feet. Because of course what Jesus was doing there wasn't just a radical example of service and of humility and of love. He actually, he, he, he tries to make them see that there's something more going on here. He says that after he's done it, he says, he leans in, he says, listen up guys, he says, do you understand what I've just done for you? And you get the sense that, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't have a clue. In fact, earlier on, he says, you probably won't understand now. You'll understand later. He says, do you understand what I've done, to you, done for you? Because this wasn't just an act of humility and of service, of love, extraordinary, radical hospitality. Actually, it was far more than that. Jesus, it says, he takes off his clothes, think his royal robes in glory, and he comes down into the mess of their feet or of our world to serve us and to clean us, to wash us. And then when he's washed us and made us clean and seen our sins forgiven, he puts back on his clothes and goes and sits in his seat. Do you see what he's doing here with the picture of the whole gospel? He says, do you understand what I've done for you? I'm about to go to the cross that is going to clean you properly, completely. Do you understand? You might not until later. Do you understand what I've done for you? A couple of chapters earlier, story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. We'll just touch on this one, but I couldn't resist it when I was flicking back through this week. Uh, Lazarus, his friend, dies. And he gets there and he weeps because he's brokenhearted. Not just that he, a friend has died, but he's brokenhearted, actually, if you understand the Greek there, at everything that is wrong with the world that ends up in death. He's furious. 
When it says he wept, it's actually, he's livid, he's angry. And this is the final kind of miracle sign in John's gospel before he goes to the cross. And what's hugely significant is, you know how the story goes. He says, Lazarus, come out, and Lazarus is raised from the dead. And he's like, whoa! Um, but more than that, there's a moment before he does that. He knows the Pharisees are watching. If you read the, um, the verses after, like once he's done this, it's the altar, like they come up with a scheme to kill him. That's it. He knows he's signing his death warrant. And this is the beautiful thing about it, you see. He stands at that tomb, and he knows to get Lazarus out, he's going to have to go in. He knows to draw his friend and to call him out of that grave. He's going to have to go into one. He knows what it's going to cost him to do this. Love each other as I have loved you. This is the extent of his love for us and for you and for me. It's a love that is radically hospitable, that puts the needs of others always first. I had to laugh at myself this week. Um, this week on, um, on Wednesday, I went to a massive sandals convention. By that, I mean a clergy gathering. Um, and um, it was actually lovely. It was amazing. I got to meet some incredible clergy in our area. Um, uh, it was their kind of like church study day away. It was actually really useful teaching. It was really good. And I went with Jeff and Chris. Um, but I remember at lunchtime, I was um, sat down. We had it's amazing food. It happens at Bryanston School. A real treat. I mean, I had gammon, and then it was amazing. Anyway, I won't go on about the food. Um, but anyway, I was sat down um, for lunch. And I, of course, I've been thinking about this passage this week and preparing for this Sunday. And, you know, service, putting the needs of others first, loving one another. And then I found myself saying to the person at my table, quick, let's go to the cheese board now before everybody else has the cheese, good cheese. <laughs> putting the needs of others first, service, love. I still went and got the nice, um, the nice cheese, but I had to laugh at myself. This is a radical and extraordinary love. Um, I, this popped to mind um, yesterday evening um, as I was having a look through it again. Um, this must have been what prompted Paul to, um, to write what was probably one of the first worship songs of the early church. There are other worship leaders out there other than Phil. Um, and um, St. Paul wrote this worship song um, in Philippians 2. And he, think, think, as I read through this, think he must have been thinking of this story with the disciples. He must have been. Listen to this. Do not do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who in being very nature God, made himself, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Love each other as I have loved you. And you'll become the greatest family in the world.
take a moment just to turn to each other again and say, you're part of the greatest family in the world. <laughs> Now, okay, okay, that's enough, that's enough. Um, Jesus says one or two other crucial things in this passage for us to remember in this. He calls us to love, and this love is not just a feeling, it's, it's a verb, it is an action. We are called to live like this and to serve one another. Um, uh, another um, American president um, called JFK um, once famously said this phrase. He said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Do you remember that? Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. Do you know, um, there's this phrase that goes around at the moment called consumer Christianity. And nobody likes consumer. I wanted to say it's, it's a complete misnomer. It, it just doesn't make sense, consumer Christianity. To be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, is to want to give away, is to serve, is not to be a consumer, by definition. If you hear consumer Christianity banded around, just say, that doesn't make any sense, that doesn't work. You can't be a Christian and just a consumer, you have to be a contributor, a giver, and serve, and love one another. But it's really important how we do this. I want to encourage us not to works to doing stuff to serving and loving one another in such a way that it's how we feel we justify ourselves it's really important what jesus says in some of these verses have a look down again if you've got your bible open with you first from verse 14 you are my friends if you do what i command it sounds like he's saying do what i command and then you will be my friends it's not quite that simple I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. We're not friends with Jesus because we're his servants. We serve him because he's made us friends. I'll repeat that one more time. It's really important to get. We're not friends with Jesus because we serve him, because we're his servants. We're servants of Jesus because he has called us friends, because he has chosen us, because he's shown this radical hospitality and love to us. But I do want to encourage you to think about how you serve and pray and give and encourage and bring life to this community, how you love each other. I had another lovely example. I hope they don't mind me um, exposing them, um, their act of kindness to you this morning. But I, uh, one of the highlights of my week was a coffee I had with Mike Benson on Friday. And um, uh, he, took, he said he was mentioned in passing that he was going to New Wine. And I thought, oh, but it, you know, he broke his shoulder. Um, and I thought, you're going to need some help with your tent, aren't you, to, to get it up and stuff. He's like, oh, it's, it's all taken care of. Um, Al and Sarah are taking it in their, in their trailer before New Wine. They're setting it up for us before we even arrive. Love each other as I have loved you. Do you know, um, I asked the guys for some stats off Church Suite this week. There are currently 189 people on a rotor of some sort, uh, 189 adults on a rotor of some sort, serving the life of this church. 
Um, some of them are on seven, eight, nine, even ten different teams. They might need to get a life, actually. Um, <laughs> they, might need to be, they might need to be told to slow down and calm down and, and take a breath and maybe less is more, you know. <laughs> but, but I find it amazing that it's 53% of the church that are on one rotor um, or another, whether it be just, as I say, car park stewarding or helping look after kids, or visit the elderly, or stack chairs, or on the sound desk, wiring up the vicar. It's the greatest family in the world. But, 53%, that's a pass mark. <laughs> but it's not an A star. <laughs> I wonder whether to support one of the teams here, or to start a new ministry. Maybe there's something the church isn't doing yet, to bless each other and bless this community. I know that um, uh, one of the kids' clubs, uh, it may be right that for a season, actually, it, it doesn't continue, but unless there are more volunteers for it, it help re- might not be. It might be a season, actually, to, to pause on that and to rethink. But I wonder whether there's a team that you could serve. I know that uh, Michelle's got involved with Tony and Roz and the Shine Network. Could you give an hour to have a cuppa and a chat with someone in the community? Because as amazing the work that they already do, uh, there's a to have a cuppa with them. Is that something you could help with? And playing your part, loving each other in this community. Another way is to pray. I love this quote. Listen to this quote from a guy called Richard Foster. If we truly love people, we would desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. Intercession is a way of loving others others. Prayer changes the world. Prayer changes lives. When I was having um, my coffee with Mike, I was so moved. He talked about um, some of the things that he, so he, he was talking about his life and his faith and some of the stuff that's been going on. And then he said, oh Mike, have you, have you got this, I've got this app called Prayer Mate. Anybody else got Prayer Mate, an app called Prayer Mate? And I was like, I have got the app, actually, but I don't use it very much. And he said, this is how I use it. And he pointed to a few things, a few prayers. And then as he was scrolling through the list, he didn't didn't show it to me, but as he was scrolling through the list of these prayers that pop up on on his phone, like, it's not like all in one day, but like one every day will pop up, remind him to pray for different things in the life of church. For you guys, he prays every week for this church and for all of you. He prays for the leaders and the staff team. And then I spotted one, new vicar. And I said, do you mind if I have a read of this prayer? He said, no, 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 have a read. I've got a photo on my phone. He sent it to me. It's an amazing prayer for me and Michelle and kids and our family and our ministry here. I was so moved. I felt so loved. It's the greatest family in the world. Serve, pray. I've asked Mike, actually, and along with one or two others that I'm going to ask, to, um, to help us pull together a kind of a monthly cycle of prayer to, through prayer, mate, or in printed form or on the website in some other ways. You can find uh, something to pray for every day for the life of the church, a, a person um, or group of people, a life group, a, a purpose, a ministry, something that goes on in the church, a place in the parish to pray for each day. And um, Mike, the legend that he is, he, he is um, has said that he's going to help us put that together as a church, as a way of loving one another. 
serve, pray, give. Do you have the privilege of giving regularly to the life of the church? I, I received um, uh, the gifts from this morning um, from Rob as he brought them forward. Uh, some of you I know are really time poor. You're really busy. That might be that you're earning more money than the rest of us. It's great. <laughs> but um, do, you, do you yet play that part regularly? Could it, is this a time? Uh, Michelle and I started our standing order this week. Is this a time where um, God might be asking you to reevaluate what you give to the life of the church here? Because what you do is already amazing. You're incredibly generous. It's brilliant. But we are running a deficit, apparently. And that can't carry on forever. So either we're going to need to trim stuff and cut down what we do midweek and the rest of the week, or we're going to need to see God provide more in our finances. Serve, pray, give. It's the greatest family in the world. When this happens, when we do this kind of thing, we form a group of people here that's unique. There's no other organization or anything like this in our community in the country, where everybody from all sorts of different backgrounds and ages and come together willingly every week to hang out, to center themselves on the love of Jesus, to love one another, to serve their community and beyond. When we get it right, friends, it's extraordinary. Broken people helping other broken people be made whole. Loving each other through the tough times in life, crying with each other, laughing with each other, raising kids together, playing cricket and watching football together, burying our parents together. Once they've died, not before, just to be clear. Um, Doing all of life, every season, every circumstance of life together, loving each other. Welcoming each other, offering radical hospitality and humility in service of Jesus together. When we do all of that, it changes lives and it changes communities. It is now and it will do more in the future if we center ourselves on the love that Jesus has given us and we to love one another. And we'll come next week on to the last part. But it's the greatest family in the world. You are part, you and you, and you, and you, and you, and you are part of the greatest family in the world when you love each other. Can we stand? We're going to pray. we're going to do this right and serve in Jesus' name, we need to receive from him first and his love. That's where we started last week. Remain in him. Live in my love. And I pray for his Holy Spirit to come and minister to us now. And it may be that he's speaking and continuing to speak through what we've looked at this morning. It may be that there's a part of you that needs healing or making whole. Maybe that those, one of those words or pictures that that John shared earlier. Maybe you don't feel worthy. Jesus washed his disciples' feet when they were dirty, not when they were mostly clean. 
you're worthy because he chose to bestow on you that love. Holy Spirit, would you fall on us afresh this morning? Come, Holy Spirit. Pour your love into our hearts by your Holy Spirit.